0: This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, uh, Phil Goldberg, author of American Veda. Our podcast, Spirit Matters, found at Talk.com. Our guest today, Mr. Vikram Suchi. He is a uh, writer, producer, director based in Los Angeles. Uh, he is also the founding editor of Sutra Journal, a wonderful online journal that is featured on the uh, front page of our podcast. And uh, He just returned from India and Nepal, where he was filming. Vikram, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on our show to talk today. Thank you for having me, Dennis. It's a pleasure. Vikram, um, let's
1: begin. Uh, We want to discuss the vision of Sutra Journal um, at one point, but since you just got back from India and Nepal and you were there with a specific mission, and part of the time at least you with somebody else uh who we've interviewed uh for the podcast, uh Devishish Banerjee. Um tell us about why you were in Nepal, what you were what what you were trying to accomplish and how what you experienced. Phil um, so, uh, I was it's uh, the film
2: is uh... It's a, it's a feature documentary on the uh, traditional arts of uh, South Asia, uh, primarily focused on the three uh, main religions, uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Jainism, and uh, how the notion of art um, is, exists in pre-modern cultures, Uh, versus art in uh, the contemporary uh, modern context. Um, And, you know, so this film is looking at the ritual context of Asian art, as in how uh, art was uh, primarily created for a religious purpose and uh, uh, the communion of a devotee, with uh, the, the object of art and the role of an artist in these societies.
0: Vikram, if I could uh, ask, uh, I wanted to interject yeah. here, a question I had for you, and and that is um, uh, the people that were creating art in, in South Asia at that time, and it's like you said it was religious art, what was part of their, uh, was it necessary for them to be monks or religious people to produce art, was that part of the artist's life then? Or were there people that lived very secular lives, but were were producing a religious art?
2: Well, that's an interesting question, you know, and that's at the heart of the film. uh, Because these uh, uh, these did not exist as separate categories in pre-modern societies. Mm -hmm. uh, The so-called secular and the religious. You know, uh, because all of life was an offering. To the divine, if you will, and the act of making art was also an offering to the divine. So the artist was not front and center as as, as uh, you know uh, we have today. You have objects of art that are displayed in galleries, and uh, the artist is you know the is is front and center. Whereas in uh, pre modern cultures, um, in many cases, the artist is anonymous or unknown whether it's the great monuments or sculptures or uh, murals or paintings, you know, from from thousands of years ago. In most cases, we don't even know who made them. And uh, and of course, many of them had multiple art, not one, but several different people creating those objects, those pieces um so this is very interesting and then um so this was sparked off by an exhibition currently ongoing at the Santa Barbara Museum of Art it's called Puja and Piety and which has been curated by Dr. Pratap Pal who is uh the foremost uh authority on uh South Asian art and um uh, so what we do is we contextualize the objects uh, now this uh, a- exhibition it's looking at all three traditions buddhism hinduism and jainism and how they are uh, and the ritual context and so we are what we did is we selected uh, objects from each of these three from the exhibition and then we went and filmed at uh, at the source yeah. Um, where these objects are created, and then uh, how uh, they're consecrated, and um, the lineage—you know, the the lineage of artisans that made these objects, and uh, the ones that are still thriving, the communities that are still existing, uh, and have been doing the same—you know, the, the work for thousands of years—in
1: in, in the in, in the old days, in the pre-modern days, were there such things as? Uh, professional artists people who whose life's work was art or were they done by uh, people who also had other roles and if they were in that uh, category of uh, what we think of as professionals or specialists um, how did that fit into the Varnas or you know what we think of in the West as caste? Um, well you know uh, uh,
2: um, I think uh, in the English language, uh, the word guild would be more appropriate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you had guilds, uh, uh, like professional guilds, and the artists artists, uh, had their own guilds. And and this was often lineage-based, so it would be a family trade or a family craft that was passed on through generations. And um, often the artist was uh, on uh, the lower rungs, of, um, you know, the Varna system. So not from the higher classes. and um, But, you know, it wasn't quite as cut and dried as we think it is today. So mm-hmm. uh, coming from the lower rung in those days did not mean that you were like an outcast or a paria,
1: mm-hmm. you
2: know, or, and it wasn't like a lower rung in a hierarchical sense, really. It was a differentiation of of uh, you know of uh, of people and uh, their uh, proclivities and their tendencies in life mm-hmm. and uh, some people work with their hands and others are more cerebral while others are you know uh, administrative or bureaucratic and then over the ages yeah these these roles uh, got um, more and more hardened and ossified and then which you know led to of course discrimination and uh, what we are seeing today
0: mm-hmm. Vikram so, um, in, in this recent trip you took to India and Nepal uh, for your documentary was there a, a piece of art or uh, certain pieces of art that you filmed, that you documented that had a particularly profound impact on you as, a, as, a, uh, as, uh, as I've heard you describe it as a passionate yogi, as somebody speaking, seeking spiritual uh, truth, spiritual enlightenment. Was there, was there a piece of art or pieces of art that really stood out for you?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, uh, when you say, yeah, yogi, um, now the word yoga has very different connotations in mm-hmm. a South Asian context. So the act of creating art itself is a kind of yoga, you know, whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, a dance, a classical dance, or a musical performance, or uh, uh, building a temple, or a painting, or a piece of literature, or poetry, or whatever it may be. These are all yoga. So yoga is not how we commonly define it in the West. As in a series of physical postures. Yeah, that is a very, very uh, modern uh, connotation. So yes, yoga. Um, all of art is yoga, and it, which is uh, comes to the, you know which, uh, the concept of rasa. We talk about rasa, which is uh, when you say you know something gets your juices flowing. You know that's what we mean mm-hmm. by rasa, and it's the communion between the artist and his audience and um, a way to channel, you know, the higher sources of inspiration and, and manifest in physical form
1: mm-hmm. through
2: the arts. So this is all, you know, all these things are, are connected. They're not, uh, they don't exist in, in separate little boxes. And in pre-modern societies all over, not just in India, art was never created to be placed in gallery as a, as a spectatorial activity. It was very much... Uh, an activity in which you would interact, you know very, very, very interactive, very personal and and uh, and spiritual, uh, but then again, spirituality was never uh, separated from the rest of your life so
1: and to get back to uh, dennis 's question which which uh, of your experiences in in uh, South Asia on this trip did anything have a particular strong impact on you?
2: I was actually, you know, we um, uh, we were in the south of India, in Tamil Nadu, and we uh, filmed at a place, uh, uh, a bronze uh, workshop. And uh, this place has been around for about 700 years, and it's the same family that's been creating mm-hmm. the famous... Chola bronzes, mm-hmm. and still with the same quality, uh, and they were invited by King Raja Raja Chola to this place seven hundred years ago, and they've been there ever since, and it's the same family they call Stapatis, and now they have a you know they have a massive workshop and a huge foundry and uh, and, um, and artisans and creating some magnificent pieces. So we filmed with them, and uh, you know we were there for a whole day. And um, of course, they're they're fairly well known. They've been featured on the BBC, and they've mm-hmm. been written about. And so, but but that was an amazing experience. You know, the traditional arts as a thriving and and uh, really as an ongoing, living, breathing uh, tradition, uh, it, was, it really stood out. Um, And Nepal, Nepal was, again, amazing. Nepal is a confluence of of Buddhist and Hindu traditions and where these two uh, traditions uh, kind of seamlessly flow into each other, so there's no distinction Mm. between the two. People don't identify, like, as in, I'm a Buddhist or I'm a Hindu, you know, Uh, and you can see uh, how, uh, you know, they came pretty much from the same source. And on, on the grassroots, Uh, really, uh, there is, uh, the way people relate to these traditions, uh, indigenous people from these cultures, you know, they don't see them as different religions, Mm -hmm. actually, (laughs) as we sometimes are led to believe by the academy or in the West, you know, these things are clearly segregated, but uh, when you go to these countries, they're not, and then so, yeah, so there's the Tantric Buddhist art of Nepal. We went to a school of Tantric Buddhist art and we filmed with uh, a person called Lok Chitrakar who is, the you know, uh, one of the leading artists of Nepal. And he's making some amazing, amazing... He's engaged in the preservation of the traditional arts of Nepal, Tantric Buddhism. And uh, where you see Hindi, Hindu deities like Ganesha, you know, uh, seamlessly... Kind of uh, being being adopted by by Buddhists
0: and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, v- Vikram, uh, and, uh, even,
2: yeah.
0: for for those uh, that, that uh, you're bringing your documentary, it'll be shown in the West. For those people that that go to see your documentary, uh, or people listening in that are, uh, are thinking to go see it, uh, and they have no background in in Buddhism or Jainism or uh, Hinduism, or really don't know the spirituality of the East. What might they expect to experience? What do you hope to accomplish in presenting this documentary to them? Um, you know,
2: I, essentially what, I'm, uh, what we are trying to um, often when we talk about religion, uh, especially Eastern religion in the West, it's like an intellectual activity, you know, like a mm-hmm. very, uh, it's, it's, it's something that uh, exists in the realm of concepts and, um, and books and libraries and, and, and academia. Uh, but when you look at the artistic traditions, you know, that emerged and that were a vital part of, um, you know, of Eastern spirituality... Uh, whether it's India or China or Japan or any of these countries, even even Africa or Latin America for that matter, um, art is very much a part of uh, of 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 spirituality and how people define themselves and how people actually saw um, uh, uh, religion and their deities and how they interacted. Uh, with these concepts, so it wasn't like a uh, you know like mm-hmm. like an intellectual activity it was more uh very personal uh very devotional and um and very creative very very creative as you can see so the artist was uh uh you know he did this as an offering and uh, which was no different from uh, uh, the worshiper or the priest or the scholar they were all um, connected um, through the arts.
1: Vikram, when um, the people who are carrying on the old traditions like the uh, bronze workers you mentioned in Tamil Nadu, um, are they producing works now that uh, would go to temples? Or to uh, what who are the patrons? Where? What is the uh, purpose of the work that's being done now, and where where does it go? Um, you mean
2: uh, who is uh, was backing? Uh,
1: well, where is what is the purpose of doing them at this stage? If it was, is it different from? The intended purpose uh, traditionally, mm-hmm. and are they creating works of art intended for sacred use in temples, or are they making them for uh, collectors, or you know, uh, museums, or whatever?
2: Well, you know, it's always been that um, it, it, some of them are for home altars. Some of them are being created for home altars. Mm -hmm. Some of them are created as uh, 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 decorative pieces. You know, some of them are being created for objects of worship. In many cases, it's uh, private, um, you know, they're just ordered. They're they're Mm -hmm. created on order, on commission. So families who wish to have uh, these objects in their homes or want
1: to give them away as a gift. So... I see. Um, yeah. so mm-hmm. a, a modern version of um, the traditional
0: mm-hmm. uses mm-hmm. hey v- Vikram, uh, I'd like to, you to know, speak to our listeners a, a bit about Sutra journal. Uh, uh, it's something Sutra journal is a wonderful online magazine. Uh, Phil first introduced me to it, and uh, as I mentioned before, it's featured on the cover page of uh, spirit Matters talk, and uh, how did it come about and uh, what do you hope to accomplish with Sutra Journal?
2: Uh, you know, Sutra Journal was, we just felt it was, it was really uh, necessary to, to have a platform, like an inclusive um, sort of non-sectarian platform that would provide in-depth content on the arts and wisdom traditions of south asia and uh, something that wasn't watered down that came from mm-hmm. credible authorities and that was accessible at the same time you know like a like a um a blend of um, scholarly and uh, but at the same time accessible to the general public so we felt because there's such a large uh, community of yoga enthusiasts and and meditation uh, enthusiasts, we felt that you know they were uh, the, the the time has come where uh, you know they would be ready for something like this that's uh, that's a bit more substantive than your usual yoga magazines uh, and and new age blogs that mm-hmm. that you have out there. So we thought, you know, uh, just like I was saying earlier about uh, the artistic traditions. Um, and and how yoga is not separate from the arts and the civilization and the culture that gave birth to it. You know how all these things are connected at the foundation, and how yoga means so much more than what we think it does. And so this was a so this is now this is a platform, it's a way to bring artists, historians, scholars, and practitioners all together on the same platform. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're, right now it's a publishing uh, platform, but we are also in the process of organizing events, conferences, symposiums, and and um, and and yes, and media. You know, like the kind of documentary that we're doing here, with um, on, on the sacred arts and traditions, and um, put it all out there.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and for yeah. those listening in, it's uh, just go to sutrajournal.com, dot com, and as I mentioned. Uh, uh, Vikram is a founding editor, and uh, uh, Phil, you are a consulting editor. I yeah, I as was well. going to
1: say, in the interest of full disclosure, I was uh, honored to be asked uh, early on to be a consulting editor, along with uh, some very uh, well-known uh, and um, important scholars. Uh, I'm kind of out of my league in some ways, but I, I like to think I have a contributing voice but i also want to say without any hint of self uh, interest that um, i th- i really think sutra journals is a special kind of publication uh, because for one thing it's it's really beautifully done it's graphically mm-hmm. just outstanding um, but it's it's also a, a very important mix of uh academic uh writing uh, and insight, and popular, uh, more uh, non-academic, but right. um, rigorous rigorous work. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've contributed a couple of things, and so have many other people. So I highly recommend it. Vic, it, 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 how old is it now? What issue are we on?
2: We are... Um, we are a year old. I mean, we, 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 we are soon uh, coming to the one-year anniversary of Sutra, actually, uh, in a few days. So, yes, uh, this is like, you could say this is the one-year anniversary <laughs> of Sutra.
1: We'll celebrate uh, it on this but part, we, podcast We should today. mention that we're, we're saying this on August 1st, but the listeners might not be hearing this until uh, a little later in the, in the summer. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah, right. And, you know, I just wanted to say, since we, we did start the conversation with, uh, about, about the arts and this film on the sacred arts, it really is uh, the most immediate way to connect with people, you know, regardless of their, uh, their upbringing and background, because art in all its forms, you know, transcends uh, religious and ethnic uh, boundaries, and it connects with people at a very visceral level. And you see that with uh, the art of Asia more than anything else. You know, when you see a piece of music or a performance or painting or sculpture, you know, it just gets you and you're transported to that era or that sensibility or that uh, frame. The intellectual concepts come later. Right. You know, the, the first thing that gets you is is it's art and art really transcends everything else so um and that's why i thought it was an important component of this platform and that's what i'm hoping to do with the film is um bring talk about the wisdom traditions of of these um of 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 south asia but uh, using the art really to connect with people i I think there
0: there are many people that have have looked at a work of art and their lives have been changed. Uh, Intellectually, they had no no idea what happened and they might spend years sort of pondering what took place uh, uh, and reflecting upon it, bringing the intellectual aspect of it, but it was the the actual internal experience that the art brought to them and and triggered their spirituality. Let me ask, I wanted to ask you one other thing, uh, Vikram, and I was fascinated by this because some of the people that we talk to who have spiritual backgrounds that have committed their lives to Uh, the development and sharing of of true spirituality like yourself, Uh, reach out to other people. And and I read that uh, you are involved in a number of charities that empower and educate street kids in India, Brazil, Mexico, Vietnam, and Indonesia. Tell us a little bit about that, uh, of your work in that area.
2: Well, I, you know, I come from... um, like a documentary filmmaking background and a documentary photography background. So, I often am commissioned to to go and shoot stuff mm-hmm. um for magazines and newspapers. And that's what I used to do um uh, for a long time. And uh, so I've traveled extensively through Asia but also Latin America and uh, other places. And uh, it was so it was always me Uh, connecting, you know, with the grassroots and uh, with the voiceless, if you were, and uh, communities and individuals that that aren't uh, really highlighted in the mainstream. And and this is what really spoke to me and which still speaks to me. And so through my photography, and then I got involved uh, with local NGOs and nonprofits that were um, serving these communities and uh so I you know I made short films for them, or I would do uh, just like pro bono work for them and in many cases i i, I ended up um, you know finding sponsors for them or uh, sponsoring uh, uh, the education of of kids or putting in my own uh, mm-hmm. money to sponsor uh so you know i i uh, I spiked Currently, I, I sponsor about um, five children. And uh, so we I made contact with them uh, when they were we two with these NGOs, when the kids were just, uh, uh, you know, they were orphans and uh, were taken under the wing. They were just two or three years old. And and um, so it, it's, it's just a beautiful process because when you commit to them and then you see them growing up, you know, and, and going to school, and flowering and blooming before your eyes it's really amazing it's like having kids without having kids you know Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
2: really uh, so so that's on a personal level and then I found sponsors I found uh, outside sponsors when people came to they said okay we need uh, you know some money for this and we're trying to do this so then I would help them out I would find Mm -hmm. people to kind of donate, you know, substantial amounts to help them out.
1: So, Wonderful. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> um a lot of our listeners are the kind of people who uh, will find themselves in India, uh, traveling in South Asia, maybe already have. Uh, what advice would you give them when they are out and about for how to best appreciate... The deepest uh, level of experience when they uh, come into contact with works of art. Um,
2: you know, um, I would advise them to to read up a bit, and uh, there's plenty of material. Of it, you know, there's uh, places online, and there's also books. Um, that that one can order if one really wants to understand these traditions. depends on what part of India you're going to Mm -hmm. and how much time you have there, of course. It's a very diverse country.
1: Well, let's think of somebody, just say they're in Tamil Nadu or uh, anywhere, even in the north, and they just happen upon a temple. uh, And they enter a temple, whether it's an obscure small temple or one of the major ones, um, how can they get the most out of that experience? Well, just allow yourself
2: to uh, to go with the flow, as they say. Mm-hmm. And in India, sometimes you have no choice
0: <laughs> 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 because if you don't go
2: with the flow, you're <laughs> <In> big trouble. <laughs> who knows what may happen to you? <laughs> Uh, you just get caught up in the in the in the beauty of the moment and the and the devotion and the bhakti, uh, the music, the chanting. Uh, you know the, the sights and the smells and and just let yourself be transported and uh, and and sit with the people and, and participate and uh, be a part of 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 what's going on. And, and chances are you will feel something. You know you will feel something if you allow yourself to to become a part of it.
1: You know, I'll add my own experience. I've I've been in many temples in India, and as long as I've been studying these traditions, I still don't fully understand the symbolism and all the meanings of all the deities and and all that. What I found when I go to temples often is seeing that the, watching the, um, the devotees the ordinary people coming and going from the temples and doing their little pujas and doing their little worship that that's part of the art in a sense mm-hmm. it's like they become a uh, part of the palette and part of the music right. of the whole thing
2: absolutely absolutely so it's it's all it's all one you know it's uh, it's, it's the worshipper the act of worship and the object of worship
0: uh-huh.
1: you
2: know and they all uh, uh, become one in this process
1: and, and could you say the same thing about the art that is the artist the uh, observer and the act of creating the art exactly art. Exactly.
2: yes and um, I think that, uh, that's what you know that's what they mean by Advaita really where these seemingly separate components all blend into one, you know, which is the purpose of ritual.
0: Mm. Wonderful. Vikram, so, thank you so very much for, for taking the time to come on. Uh, and uh, we'll be uh, posting up information about the documentary, and especially when it's coming out and hopefully having you back on the show. Uh, Phil, any final words or comments uh, you would like to make?
1: I would uh, turn it over to, to Vikram for any final uh, things he'd like the listeners to hear. And one thing that did occur to me, uh, Vik, is there are Asian art collections in major cities in America. And uh, maybe you'd like to encourage uh, listeners to this uh, who, can't, who are not going to India or Nepal, um, there, that there are certain museums like San Francisco Museum of Asian Art and our own Los Angeles County Museum um if you have any favorites you might want to mention um yes it's uh,
2: a Los Angeles County Museum has a has a wonderful collection in fact uh and uh most of it was uh, brought in by Dr. Paul mm-hmm. uh, who is uh, one of the inspirations for this film um uh, the Chicago Art Institute has an amazing collection again uh, largely um curated by by Dr. Paul <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, Norton Simon also mm-hmm. Norton Simon in in LA has has a beautiful uh collection and and so does you know there's the Cleveland Museum and there's mm-hmm. Um, so
1: there's quite a I few I seem to remember uh, the Boston Museum of Fine Arts has quite a collection and uh Yes,
2: the Boston Museum has a beautiful collection. Yeah. Beautiful collection. And then you have of course the Freer Sackler gallery at the Smithsonian mm-hmm. in, in New York, which is uh <laughs> But mean, primarily, I- you know yeah, yeah, but, but you know, what? what's really important is that to say, you know, art in the West is, or in, in modern art, is experienced as a spectatorial activity, one in which uh, the artwork is an object of possession and enjoyment. Um, Indian art in the West is uh, treated as an object of aesthetic pleasure, you know, mediated by mythological meaning. However, in the native context, these same objects exist as part of a visual culture that's participatory and religious uh, on the flip side uh, scholars of religion and anthropology refuse the status of art for these objects mm. so they claim instead a purely ritual function for them ah. but this approach is like it fails to accept the place of visual imagination and enjoyment what we call rasa in the human interaction with images within you know, the Indian uh, religious experience very good. So that's, that's what. So the, what, the, yeah, that's um, that's what we're talking about. Is what place does visual contemplation and enjoyment rasa hold mm. within the ritual context in which in Asian South Asian icons are used? Very good. You know? but, but and uh, so attempting to answer this question would then lead to an uh, enhanced understanding for uh, the experience and functional aesthetics. Very good.
0: Uh, thanks, Vikram. Uh, thanks for being with us. Yes, and we look forward to the documentary and we'll be uh, letting our listeners know uh, when it's coming out and how they can view it. And and again, Vikram, thank you so very much for your time. And, and uh, we look forward to having you back on the show sometime soon. And again, uh, Sutra Journal, SutraJournal, uh, sutrajournal.com, please uh, visit. Uh, it's uh, beautiful visually and there's great content there as well. So uh, thanks. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.